Welcome in, everybody, to The Longhorn Republic, your source for Texas Longhorn news, sports, and opinions with a bit of snark built in. We are a podcast at Burn Orange Nation, and you can find more great Texas Longhorn content over at burnorangenation.com. If you like what we do, please leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. It helps get the show out there. Share this with your friends wherever you found it, whether it was Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, anywhere where you find fine podcast content. You can find Kyle and myself. Connect with us on social media at Longhorn Pod on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, the Longhorn Republic. Shoot us an email, LonghornRepublicPod at gmail.com. My name is Gerald Goodridge. I'm your host this week, like I am every week. And I'm joined by a man who wasn't ranked in the AP poll either, Kyle Carpenter. Kyle, how are you? Uh, you know, equally licking my wounds, but probably equally not deserving of any type of ranking. Um, I don't know, Gerald. If there was an AP poll of uh of podcasters i think you would certainly be ranked i uh, i appreciate that that uh that makes me feel good kyle i i don't think i would be ranked i, I listen to 15 podcasters today that are better than me but i appreciate <laughs> i appreciate that sentiment it makes you feel good as somebody who does this with you uh twice a week but we're not here to talk about um how well you and i may or may not be doing we're here to talk about uh how poorly texas's health is doing through a couple of weeks of fall camp texas had a scrimmage on saturday and surprise surprise there were injuries so we'll talk about the injuries uh not a quarterback name so we're not going to talk about that uh and obviously uh, a wide receiver no longer uh at least not playing with the team currently we'll schedule for a defensive line preview quite a bit to talk about there and then we'll obviously close the show out with some bang the drum so in typical texas fashion uh texas went into the fourth quarter of the offseason with a lead, doing really, really well, <laughs> and then in the closing moments of seemingly the off season start uh, of the off season, uh, the wheels start to come off. So we got we got news um, early last weekend that Texas wide receiver Ajayi Hall had been uh, arrested for a Class B misdemeanor, which is a crime of, of destruction of something value between somewhere between 100 and 600 dollars and you know he, he was a guy on a short leash anyways with uh you know the, his departure from alabama and, and all of that um uh, and i i don't know if i've ever seen public sentiment around a player being arrested shift so quickly as it did to when we found out that the 600 dollars was him breaking a boot off from UT Parking Enforcement. Like, anybody that's been around UT Parking Enforcement uh, not only felt like he was justified, but wanted to see him do it two more times. But he's no longer with the team, at least now he's been suspended indefinitely. Steve Sarkeesian mentioned that he has some work to do to get back in good standing, and that the suspension was not just because of the arrest, but kind of things leading up to it as well. But we thought that was going to be the last set of bad news going into the weekend, but there was more bad news. I got a, I got a message from Daniel Seahorn. Like he's got some sources like, Hey, I don't know who, but look out for injury news this afternoon. And my kids were already on my last nerve that, that morning. It's just like, crap. Like I, this is the last thing I need. So we got news that Roshan Johnson, junior Angulao and Isaiah Nair all were injured. Various states of injury. We didn't have any confirmation at the time. Uh, so we got a bunch of confirmation today, Monday, as we're recording this, of injuries, not just to those three, but to uh, all of them. Roshan Johnson out four to six weeks with an ankle injury. Alfred Collins also four to six weeks. Jade Barron and Cole Hudson uh, out with injury, expected to be ready for week one. But the two big ones, the two ones that honestly felt like a just kick in the pants, uh, Junior Angulao and Isaiah Nayor, after going down with non-contact knee injuries, will be out for the season with uh, various ligament tears in their knees. And, and 
I think the the conversation that you and I need to have here, Kyle, is like you and I were cautiously optimistic for Texas this year. We didn't think it was going to be a a, a, a CFP uh, type year for Texas, but we thought they would be able to uh, turn a corner and show some progress in year two of Steve Sarkeesian. But now losing a guy like Isaiah Nayor and a guy like Junior Angula, who are um, vital to the team in two very different but very complementary ways, what does that do for your expectations of the season moving forward? You know, Jared, we've just done previews and – I'm sure folks have listened to those. If you haven't, go back and listen. But you will hear two names in those previews uh, with a lot of expectation, right? We just released our offensive line preview uh, and and last week, and that was Junior Angulao talked about, okay, we have that veteran presence where there may be some young guys stepping in and that steadying kind of presence who can play some positions. He'd, he'd been cross-trained to, to play some center, kind of, you know, was going to really be an anchor point. And we obviously talked about with our wide receiver group with, with just the impact that Nayer makes, what he does for the other two starting receivers who, uh, who, who were here last year and the pressure he takes off ultimately. Now that's not to say that the sky has fallen, that everything is bad. It, it's not to say that, you know, a, a, a four-win improvement is now out of the cards from last year. It just makes the margin for error that much more thin, right? It, it, it just makes... Look, if these are our only injuries for the entire year, okay, but, like, who's to say, right? The season hasn't started. Every team in the country is going to deal with injuries. It's just terrible that these two are season-ending knee injuries, but, uh, but you know, you, you lost a guy with incredible upside... And Nayor, who who really you know could could take that offense to the next gear, and then Angulao, who you know again it, you lose some of that floor and what your offense can be when you take him out of the offensive line. So again, I'm not saying it, it reduces my win total for sure. It might it might factor in a bit, um, but it definitely makes a lot of things a lot more things have to go right. It takes that margin for error that was already thin, was already slim, and, and makes it. Even more so, I think in probably two or three games this season, it will come down to, you know, some some balls are going to have to bounce our way. Some luck's going to have to happen. Some things are going to have to be executed flawlessly and, 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 and done right. That's that's a good way to sum it up. I think the margins become significantly thinner. You know, we've talked about, you know, there are two strategies when you attack the transfer portal. Either you want to significantly raise the ceiling or you want to raise the floor. And it seemed like Isaiah Newer at the wide receiver spot did both of those things, right? At, at worst, he raised the floor for them because it, it means that, you know, Worthy was not going to see as much bracket coverage. We're not going to see a guy over the top of him as much and that at least now is not going to be the case now there are you know steve sarkeesian talking about casey kane redshirt freshman who's who's uh been a surprise there's been a lot of savion red talk you and i are big fans of savion yep. red you know Tariq milton coming over from iowa state those are guys that you know could but none of them have the pedigree and, and the skins on the wall that Nayor has he was one of the best g5 wide receivers in the country a year ago like an incredible guy an incredible player uh, and so that again limits what this offense can do from an optimization standpoint. And, you know, we talked about it. We did our offensive line preview last last week. This, you know, the Angulao injury really shifts you out of that get to play a freshman if he's the best guy. Now they probably will have to end up playing a redshirt freshman, a guy without a ton of snaps. You'll probably see a DJ Campbell or you'll see, you know, one of these other redshirt freshmen coming in, a guy that doesn't have a ton of snaps. In my mind, and this is my bias in football, the offensive line, in my opinion, especially what we saw last year, is going to hinder the offense just as much, if not more than than nayor's ability i think the offensive line is the is the unlock for this offense and so like the margins just got super thin and i think the interior of that line is going to look vastly different and it you know it limits what 
Bijan Robinson can do, which again is a is a linchpin for the offense. So it's hard for me to overstate how impactful this could be. Now again, the sky isn't falling, and, and you know, progress for Texas. We've we've said it is going from you know five and seven to eight and five, right? Like that, or eight and four, like that. That is that is I think enough progress on the field. But there was that that perfect scenario where everything yeah. fell right and Texas hit ten wins or Texas uh, exceeded ten wins, and and, I, and it feels like to me that that dream that pipe dream um, has gotten even pipier for lack of a better term. The the everything has to break right for this to happen it's so far is is not trending with everything breaking right in fact breaking exactly wrong not to make a medical pun of any way to make light of injuries but yeah it's it's truly going the wrong way um you know it i'll just leave it i'll leave it at that because i think i think you're right gerald I, i think Maybe it would have been week three when our pipe dream shattered, right? But we had it. We had the dream to hold on to. No, I, I will say, look, those, those are the two biggest ones. But like, also losing Roshan Johnson and whatever, uh, to whatever god, deity, or or entity that, that you choose to uh, to 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 project or pray or whatever it is that you're doing. Uh, Throw a couple up for Bijan's health. Uh, taking Roshan out of there, you know, it's it's very interesting because the running back room has depth. But I. I I'm not even. I was having a conversation this week. Is is does it mean that uh, you're going to get more Jonathan Brooks if you just want that kind of steady diet of a running back who's between the tackles? Does it mean that Keelan Robinson gets more opportunity? And though he, they say he's kind of beefed up a bit, that he's going to have more chance to take you know four or five, six, eight carries straight up the gut. You know stuff that you're going to get zone you know, handoffs that Bijan would get when they give him a spell. Like it, it's an interesting dynamic. We'll see when uh, Roshan can get back and then we're going to do our defensive line preview. Uh, if this would have been come out one week earlier, we would be saying the same thing about that one. Although it's only four to six weeks, but Alfred Collins expects expected. And I think still for the second half of the season, uh, we'll have a lot of expectation for what he can contribute in, in the preview that we have coming up. I mean, those are all key guy injuries they're not just ah you know oh well those are those are you know a few half a season in two cases or or you know a little less and and full season for four guys who who really were you know four of the 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 30 most significant contributors on this team expected to be roshan johnson in my mind like again he had basically as much production on on a per carry basis as Bijan a year ago but like if there's a room that can take a production hit, it's probably sure. the running back room. Sure. Like John, you and I are early members of Team Brooks, and so like losing Roshan, and, and do not hear me understating that losing Roshan. I think the bigger impact from Roshan is the on the field leadership. A guy right. who can be in the huddle, a guy who can say like, "Hey, like keep your head on straight." Hey, like he he is your field general uh, when you've got a young quarterback out there because he's that stalwart. And again, Bijan can be some of that. And, and Bijan's talked about how he uh, one of his focuses is being more of a vocal leader in the in the the club and so you know hopefully Bijan can can supplement some of that but again it sucks to see these guys injured especially again Texas had a great offseason and then we're we're in running back and we're Justin Tucker days away from kickoff in Texas the wheels are seeming to uh come loose a little bit so not a starter name Steve Sarkeesian uh has not named a starter there was not one that emerged uh in the scrimmage maybe scrimmage two will be it he said that he wanted to name it earlier than he did last year so time is running out Steve uh hopefully we'll hear it soon sooner rather than later, but they've got an open practice uh, the day you're listening to this, Tuesday at 7 p.m., so if you're in the Austin area, go check it out. Maybe get us some intel, take your binoculars, and uh, (laughs) let us know what's up. So as we alluded to on the other side of the break, 
We've finished the offense, cinched it up. We're going to talk about the defensive line, and it's a little messy talking about the Texas defensive line because we'll, we'll talk about that in just a minute. But this is for the first time that the seniors uh, of the, the guys who've been here four years will have the same defensive coordinator for consecutive years because they had a they had the Orlando, Ash, and Pete Gritkowski transition. So uh, those fourth-year guys getting the same system. We talked about it last year. It's hard to ask guys to develop if they're having to learn a new system each and every year so maybe uh this will uh this will benefit them but texas is losing uh ray thornton ben davis jacoby jones who uh broke his ankle a year ago myron warren jordan thomas and jet bush are all jet bushes now linebacker but those guys are uh, subtractions from the defensive line group uh but texas Managed just 20 sacks a year ago, so it may not be that impactful when you think about it. Um, Texas is going to have to find a way to manufacture a little bit of a rush that may come from that buck edge uh, or that jack edge, depending. Ovio Gufo is back uh, from last year, had five and a half sacks uh, in a Longhorn jersey in his career. Uh, Baron Sorrell's another guy on the other side of the jack back. uh, back But there's a a lot to talk about here, Kyle, but I think – when we talk about the differentiators for Texas, we saw Texas go into Fayetteville last year and get pushed around on both sides of the ball. And the defensive line was probably the biggest culprit of that. Uh, there's a reason why Arkansas, it, didn't, it felt like they didn't attempt to pass until the third quarter, but um, <laughs> the defensive line got pushed around and, and needed to take a step up. We all remember the Bo Davis rant fondly or not so fondly, depending on how you feel about profanity. But, this is a group that needs to step up this year. And again, it's a group with a lot of questions. And we have another one with Alfred Collins now being out a month ish, a month or longer with an injury. So like how, at least from, from my perspective, Kyle, like what would you consider to be a step forward for this defensive line group? I see a silver lining, right? You see negativity. I'm, I see positivity. And that Arkansas game, they absolutely handled Traylon Burks. First-round draft pick Traylon Burks. Only five catches, 37 yards. That's because they ran for 333, so maybe not. Um, no, I, I, I kid. So, like, look. There's some known. What, what was... Uh, what was the the, the 90s uh, defense? Uh, I'm, I'm blanking, but the known knowns, the known unknowns, uh, and the unknown unknowns, right? Um, there are some known knowns in in the defensive line, and and there's some some relative unknowns here, right? Like after you get on the edge outside of Ov, there's a lot of talent, but maybe not as much production. And then when you go in the middle, it's almost inverse, right? There's a lot of production, a lot of snaps, a lot of Pounds, if you look at Keandre and and and, and Mr. Sweat, um, but you know it, it's maybe not as high end production as their pedigrees or your expectations would have would have said over their careers. Um, and so it's it's in the inside you're asking, is there room for one of these young guys to step up and, and give them the chance, uh, or will the kind of older guys hold that down and can they take the step up? And on the edge, it's purely who's going to step up, right? Who is it going to be? Who's going to carpe that DM? Um, and, and, you know, look, I'll start with the edge. If Ogu Gofu takes a step forward and can be a true disruptor on the edge, can add some pressure, I think it helps a lot of things on this defense. He, he you know, has five and a half career sacks. He played 500 snaps in, in PK's 
system last year. You know, he's got some experience. He started, honestly, really well. His best game of the season by far, I think, was the opener against Louisiana where he had seven uh, tackles, one sack. Um, looked like, wow, who's this guy we got from Notre Dame? This this could be it. And he, I think, only had one sack the, the rest of the season, right? So it's going to need some consistency. He talked about PK system a lot and just the whole defense improving, and I don't think it can be overstated, the amount, and this applies to all of the position previews we'll do, but, but certainly the defensive line, right? Like it, it's different coordinators, different position coaches wanting different things out of these guys, recruiting different body types and, you know, for, for this. And, and so now it's okay. We have the system, you know what your expectation is, but this group has to take a step up. I mean, we've talked about the offensive line ad nauseum and how important they are to this team's success. I might argue that the defense line is at least equally as crucial to our, the number of wins that we see at the end of the year. If the defensive line is better, if they set the edge better, if they can, you know, reduce gas plays from the run and up the middle, if they can contain, you know, uh, some, some offenses better, uh, it, it allows linebackers to step up and do the thing. It allows the secondary, if they're, you know, playing this press coverage they're talking about, it, you know, it maybe creates chances for each other, more chances for sacks if the quarterback holds on to it a little bit. But it's also if you're not getting pressure on them, you know, every secondary breaks down eventually, right? So it's it's symbiotic a bit, but if, I, I think they can affect each of the other two levels a, a ton. And there is a talent pool here that, that says that this could be a plus group, but we also came into last year, we learned that that was because of our offensive line a bit, certainly in spring and in, in fall camp. But last year we said this will be the strength of our team, and I don't think I'm ready to say that by any means. But I think there is enough talent in this pool, and I'll talk about specific guys who I think really have a chance to just break out, um, that this can be at least a, a plus. And our defense as a total doesn't need to be top 15 for us to win. They just need to be better. Better feels like an easy ask from a year ago. You know, again, it's... 20 sacks in 12 games that's you know like worse than kansas which uh we could say that about a lot of things uh for texas and you know we'll talk about this a little more next week but like the the emergence of of diamante tucker dorsey and jalen ford a guy who uh, you and i have publicly called the dog like i think that dude is just incredible that is going to help bolster this because now marvian overshone has talked about it already that he's going to play a little bit more uh closer to the line to help uh generate some of that that pass rush but the beauty of an efficient and effective pass rush is that it takes pressure off of the other layers of your defense, right? The longer a quarterback has to throw, the the, the more likely somebody's going to be open, right? If a guy is running around back there for five, seven, ten seconds, then there's going to be a wide receiver open because that's just how football works. That's just how like it, it works. And so, like you mentioned, Agufo is a guy who has an opportunity to, to step up. You know, I'm I'm a big fan of, of Justice Finkley. He's been a guy who's who's gotten a lot of a pub early in camp he came in that dude had a grown man body at 17 so like seeing him kind of emerge has been something baron sorrell's a guy that you and i really really appreciate i want to see vernon broughton take a step up he's a guy who i think has all of the talent in the world and needs to just figure out how to put it together the cupboard is not bare i think is the way to say it the cupboard is far from bare but i think whoever it is they've got to figure out how to tap into whatever it is whatever made them who they are and again you know jay montap i joke around about needing gold fronts on on the team but like there's a grittiness. There's an attitude. There's a there's a uh, there's a there's a you know master P makeup say uh like there's <laughs> something that I think hasn't clicked with some of these guys. Like a guy like Snacks Coburn should be mauling people in the interior. Like yeah. He 
He should be what Puna Ford is and Puna Ford was for Texas. He should be able, he's one of the best nose tackles that has come out of the state of Texas in probably seven years. Like, he should be eating centers for lunch and having guards for snack. Like, that is what <laughs> that Snacks Coburn should be doing. He and T Sweat should be doing that. And we're just not seeing it. Like, Byron Murphy came in 50 pounds lighter than those guys and showed him up in a couple of games. And so, like, there's just something that hasn't clicked with some of these guys. And if it's going to click, and if they're going to see themselves play at the next level, which is probably these types of guys' wants and dreams, it's got to click sooner rather than later. Yeah, I agree completely. I mean, I, I think especially with the Alfred Collins injury, it, it might shift some guys around, and it's just about getting your best four for the situation on the field. Um, I, I, I will come right out and say it, that I think Byron Murphy, the way he played the second half especially of last year, if that carries into, and that's my thought coming into the season, I, I think he could be our most consistent defensive lineman. I think he could be our biggest impact defensive lineman. He, he might be my first name on the sheet, even if he's not first on the depth chart immediately um, because he has both of those guys in front of him. He can he can play. He, he and Collins both have the ability to play small, uh, you know, in the middle or big on the outside. Like they're, they're, they're athletic. They're strong. I mean, he's just so, his pad level's great maybe the best on the team as a freshman last year. He's so strong at his punch, his point of attack. Like he he's, he's caused pressures, you know, like he played significantly less snaps, like, like hundreds of snaps less than Coburn and had the same amount of tackles. They each had 15, right? 12 games Coburn played and had 15 tackles. I know that PK system says the big guy eats up blocks. You take two. That's how the system works. I get it. But like you can trip and fall on a couple more tackles than 15, you know, a, a season. Um, like, Murphy was was third fourth on the team in pressures with 11 of them right like um I, I think Byron Murphy has a chance to 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 really like if he is freed up next to one of those guys or you know they do a funky thing with him a little more outside or a four eye or wherever he, he's lining up like he has the chance to 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 free some other guys up to make some plays for himself he can he can dart through he might end up being our most important player in this whole unit and i and i don't know that um you know as a recruit that that was exactly what we thought from him but you know the people who've seen him play even in high school all knew it right like no one has ever seen byron murphy play football and walked away and said this guy isn't gonna play for you know 25 years of 30 25 years of his life right he's going to play on Sundays like he's he's that type of, of of player just when you see him make plays um Alfred Collins I think can come back and still really have a say on on what he actually played his best football after an injury last year when he moved to the outside right um and uh the, the last few games of the season and and looked like that NFL talent right like Alfred Collins has the the absolute most NFL upside of anyone in this defensive line group. Like he just does, right? He has, you know, day one could be round one like talent. He truly does. Um, it's got to have the production to match, and, and obviously being out really hurts that. And I hate that. Also limits our flexibility a bit. But more Ojimo is a guy who he's more quick than anything, right? His explosiveness, his ability to get in, he sets the edge all right, but his ability from outside, kind of like, you know, Collins to, to play small inside or, or bigger at a defensive end edge spot, um, he, he can move around a little, but they need to use him to his strengths, right? Like don't have him just setting the edge against big guys, uh, have him darting in, trying to create havoc, right? Like you think the Roach, uh, Malcolm Roach kind of uh, spot. I, I, I'd like to see him involved there. And then, you know, Tavondre Sweat is a guy who has flashed it at times. I think he might have, besides you take Collins out now, might have as much upside at the NFL level as, as anyone else in this, in this unit. Like he's big 
and he can when he's he's got it all together. He just needs to make a full game of it and, and heck, a, a season of it. But let's start with one full game of just that stuff we see where he's jumping up and batting down passes, where he's, you know, bullying people at the point of attack. Like, we haven't seen that consistently, but you know that talent uh, is there. So if either Coburn or Sweat, doesn't have to be both, if either of them can truly make a step, then I think it lets some of these other guys get in there and make plays. I think we'll easily see seven, eight guys in this group pretty consistently rotating in. So it's just about who makes the most of, of the opportunity. Yeah. And there's, there's, a, there's going to be a lot of opportunities. I think the big 12 is going to be a highly competitive league this year. It'll be probably like we've talked about a crabs in a barrel year, but there, there's a lot of opportunity. I'll say it like this. The good thing about this defense from a player's perspective is that Nobody has really seized anything. There's nobody that is the guy on the defensive line. So if you just step up and do something, the playing time and the opportunity and the tape and the film that you need to have a cup of coffee in the NFL is going to be there. So whether it's Tavondre Sweat, whether it's Baron Sorrell, whether it's you know Jamon Tapp coming in or Ethan Burke coming in, who's an absolute athletic freak. I think Burke probably has another red shirt, has a red shirt year to to grow into his big boy body. But you know he's got a big boy body, and I think he's going to grow into it pretty well. And he year or two but that's the thing about this group is that any of these guys could grab it by grab it by the neck and put a stranglehold on it because nobody's done it thus far and and like i i think it's just for me it's disappointing because there's so much talent you mentioned you know um alfred collins being one of those the 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 most nfl ready guys again keandre coburn is again one of the best defensive tackles come out of state of texas in the last 10 years like he is probably what i would probably top five um you know you got um Vernon Broughton's a guy who probably should have an NFL trajectory, but we just haven't seen it yet. And again, from a player's perspective, like if one of these guys steps up and, and puts his name on it, he's going to be the dude. And he'll be the first one to do that since, you know, probably... Like Puna Ford, Joseph Osei, like those kind of guys. Like there hasn't been a dude like that, um, and there hasn't been many of them. Like the fact that there are two of them that I can name off the top of my head in the last five years and can't think of any else... You know, Malcolm Roach is another one, but like, again, it took me a second to think about it because, and he was playing out of position quite a bit. So there's another mitigating factor, but like, put some respect on all, our boy, Chuck Omenahu's name. I say all that to say somebody could be the dude if they want to be, but I need somebody to want to be the dude. And here's the thing, Jared, like you, you, you look at the top of a depth chart with seniors at the top and, and, you know, you think that that's what it is. We could be talking about the two players from this group who make the, the, you know, postseason Big 12 teams, whichever level that is, are Baron Sorrell and, and Byron Murphy. And I've already told the, the listeners how much I love Byron Murphy and think he could be the best player in this group um, at the college level especially. But but I, I, think, I think Sorrell is a guy who's – he's such an interesting quantity. I think if we had seen more, if we had a bigger sample size, more people would be going out on a limb for him. Um, here's the thing. Last offseason, as a true freshman, coaches were, were talking about him. You heard his name. This offseason, he's been around a lot, making plays. You've heard it. In the spring game, he looked great. Like, he was he was making pressures. He was setting the edge, making tackles in the backfield. Like, he looked great. Again, offseason camps and spring games are, are made for, you know, uh, making players, you know, offseason superstars. So, you have to show me. I think he has 93 career snaps, which, you know, it's it's not nothing. 
but it, it's certainly not enough to say that's the guy. I'm banking it on. He's going to solve our edge problem, but he certainly could be at that jack position. He could lock it down, and it, he really could make it his own, have five, six sacks, really really be uh, a disruptor with you know uh, someone else coming off the edge if it's if it's Ovi, if it's uh, – you know, teams that are going three wide, and we have like Gerald hinted at Demarvin Overshun coming in off off an edge against uh, teams that don't aren't chipping with a big tight end, right? Like you can get some pressure from the other side elsewhere if you're able to stop the run in the middle and set the edge on the outside. You could do some interesting things. You can get people in third and nines and bring pressure and, and pin your ears back a little bit. So it's symbiotic. Kind of all these guys have to work to make the whole thing work. But you know, if we could have, and you've seen it in the Big Twelve, much lesser known recruits at at Kansas State, at Iowa State, you know, at TCU, players who end up having these monster seasons, getting 12 sacks, getting 15 sacks. And it's, you know, why not us, right? Why why not us? Why can't one of these, why can't... When's going to be my time? Exactly. Like what... And, and if that means that, that Baron Sorrell is the kind of slightly not he was was a big recruit but not as big maybe uh coming from uh slightly less like he's not from you know texas state champion program right from uh louisiana i believe so you you get a slightly more unheralded recruit like why can't we have that story why can't we have a guy who gets double digit sacks when he wasn't the name necessarily out of his recruiting class that was expected to to light it up right like let's let him develop and through this season and 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 be the guy or or byron murphy or whoever it is like it doesn't have to be the names at the top just please at this point somebody step up and take the reins take the things that are available to you because texas has a long and storied history of some of the best defensive linemen certainly in the big 12 conference since it's been a thing but just in the in, in the nfl ranks right like you know you look at defensive tackles defensive ends we've put you know dozens of of these really elite guys on sundays in the nfl like this is expected gms will stop and look at a texas defensive lineman because there is a pedigree in history there it's like Who's going to step up and take that mantle? Who wants it? Who's willing to, 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 you know, effort it to go with their talent? And, you know, does year two automatically mean they understand their positioning enough that they're not thinking and they're just instinctively playing? That's that's what I'm hoping and that we can, you know, we can not get embarrassed on, on the run and we can actually make quarterbacks think, uh, you know, to look over their shoulder on the pass and get some pressure. Like PK said when asked about the pressure, what pressure last year. So let's, uh, you know, Alfred Collins and DeMarvian Overshin led the team with 15. Can anyone top that this year? Can it be a guy, you know, in that group we talked about? Can someone get 20 pressures? Can they can they get double-digit sacks? Heck, can we get seven sacks? Like, just let's get a, a <laughs> decent amount from any one player. Let's get our team total to 30 or 40 in a, in a way that's not embarrassing when we look back at the end of the season at what we're able to do in, you know, double-digit games, barely getting double-digit sacks. Pete, there's a lot of pressure to get something done so we'll talk next week about the linebackers uh and then we'll close it out in two weeks with the defensive backs as we rapidly approach the season we're running out of time to get these in which is a good problem to have that brings us to the part of the show where we whip around the rest of campus and we down the 40 in a weekend of surprising news a piece of surprising news that slipped under the radar somewhat texas had a a preferred walk-on at punter former texas wesleyan kicker and punter daniel trejo uh again just nicknames built in uh there (laughs) but coming into I don't know, compete or add some depth. I'm not sure uh, at those kicker and punter spots. We talked about Texas has to replace Cameron Dicker at both kicker and punter. And uh, statistically, if you look at the impact, 
punter might actually be the harder one to replace. Uh, but Texas needs some bodies. Texas needs some boots. And they got another one in camp for Jeff Banks to work with. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I, I, he, I hope he didn't feel he needs to machete the depth chart. I hope he's just trying to add a little heat to uh, – to you know that group from dusk till dawn keep them keep them playing um i can't work in a spy kids reference no the, the guy's <laughs> name is danny trejo for goodness sake uh i love it i wonder if he had any other name if i would be as interested in this story when a, when a preferred walk-on comes in it is before season it's always good to have a little depth but uh danny trejo is one of our generation's like most instantly noticeable and greatest character actors so i'm just excited that this gives us mountains of tweet worthy things to uh to, to work with my my as you've been following this my wife and i are re-watching or i'm re-watching my wife is watching for the first time the what we do in the shadows tv show and we got to the uh, vampire council episode uh, of the first season and danny trejo is one of the vampires and like my wife recognizes her someone recognizes him someone who doesn't like recognize actors ever so like that again machete right anywho on to the football stuff like <laughs> You know, Isaac Pearson's a guy who I think has a heck of a boot. I think he's a guy who will come in um, and compete. But again, rising tide raises all ships. And as we saw last year, or two years ago, I guess, you're kind of one injury away from yeah. having to figure out who the heck is going to punt. Yeah. So it's better to have two, especially if he's not taking up a scholarship spot uh, in the room. Someone who's not just taking up a scholarship spot, but someone who's doing a lot with it. Fran Raggy from the rowing team, the probably most decorated team on campus, was named the inaugural Collegiate Rowing Coaches Association, CRCA, Athlete of the Year. Three-time All-American uh, brought home this uh, Athlete of the Year award. Does that mean they're going to have to retire her oar at the end of the season? I, I think probably her oar will be hung at the boathouse. Um, I, I, I don't know if that if they, if they it gets uh removed from anyone else ever using and you just have a boat <laughs> that is oarless in one spot that that seems like a bit much uh you might be running a little off kilt but uh but yes yes i i, I think deservedly so this is a f- fantastic uh honor and it's like it's pretty awesome that texas rowing has quickly gone from like oh they're, they're a good program you know people pay a little attention to like they are legitimately a the national powerhouse and uh i don't know i like it let's keep being the national powerhouse and and more and more things keep adding to the powerhouse status uh so everyone that we hope is going to jump to powerhouse status soccer is kicking off thursday at home against lipscomb they return 21 letter winners and 10 starters including six super seniors uh from a team that uh, made a run and had an opportunity to make a deeper run a year ago yeah absolutely they uh we Two of those returning starters are two of the best players in the country, and um, uh, Lexi Massimo. International stars. That's right. There's multiple international stars. It's 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 pretty wild. Like they pretty much are recruiting right now from the Vancouver Whitecaps, like um, professional <laughs> no, uh, the professional academy, or uh, Solar SC in Dallas, which is coached by Lexi uh, Massimo's dad who um, they just keep putting like world-cast players. The DFW is churning out both men's and women's talent uh, at, a, at a pretty great rate right now. But anyways, they, they are stacked. This is kicking off. The fall sports is kicking off the 2022 fall and 2023 spring season. It's kicking off the athletic, uh, the directors, athletic directors cup title defense. So, you know, make sure you watch, uh, watch and support our women's soccer team, especially if you're in Austin, get out there and watch them. If you, if you were able to watch, their first, their exhibition, they crushed Incarnate Word 7-0 um, in, in the aforementioned Lexi Massimo. Scored 
a brace and also dished out three assists um, while Trinity Byers and Holly Ward will miss a little bit of the season while they're still being all international. So um, really a lot of talent in the program that probably was, you know, one of our bottom two or three on the outside looking in. There's been a, a talent infusion the past few years, and it looks like they're ready to make some of these postseason runs that our women's sports have just been crushing uh, the past few years in the CDC era. Carrying Texas to yet another Director's Cup. Another team that's carrying Texas to another Director's Cup. Orange White Volleyball is on tap. The ladies queue it up for another run in a national championship. Number two in the preseason poll. That's their 16th consecutive year being a preseason top four. Texas added a bunch of talent in the offseason. Stole it from Nebraska, those dirty, dirty Cornhuskers, uh, hoping to take a run at another national championship. Uh, after last last year's somewhat disappointing end at the hand of those same dirty, dirty Cornhuskers. And Nebraska got four more first place votes to, uh, to be number one in the preseason poll. So that rivalry, very real. Um, the Ignite absolutely the orange and white volleyball scrimmage look good um with all that new talent you just you see it kind of coming together there's there's i mean legitimately a, an embarrassment of, of riches is just about getting that best squad on that can play together and and you know they will win most of their games on talent it comes down to and it has been the past couple years when they get challenged when they hit adversity how do they respond can they have someone step up so we'll see who that is going to be uh, or, or maybe who those couple, because we know Logan Eggleston's still there. But they have an exhibition coming up uh, this weekend at Rice uh, on 8:20, and then they open the season on the road at number seven, Ohio State in Columbus. So they get a tough test right off the bat. Um, we'll, we'll see what this team is made of. I think they're made of quite quite good stuff, but again, we'll find out early in the season and finally a little bit of sad news texas lost two pretty key pieces of the recruiting operation uh this last week both uh sean lewis and jake longy are leaving for different slash greener pasture sean lewis uh, was hired as the running backs coach at angelo state university getting his opportunity to get that on field role a lot of these guys go from like especially the recruiting um analysts go from a a quality control analyst kind of help on the recruiting trail uh spot to a lower tier running backs coach type tight ends coach type spot uh to get there on the field coaches why you know guy like rashad samples left texas to go elsewhere but uh best of wishes to him and then jake longy a guy who's been pretty instrumental in in the recruiting uh, efforts, especially is like connecting with parents and, and uh, Polynesian parents, especially uh, has joined a scouting organization is going to help connect uh, student athletes with uh, schools and coaches and uh, hopefully get kids to uh, achieve their dreams and hopefully get kids to Texas. Right. Come on, Jake. Uh, now <laughs> uh, keep the Polynesian pipeline going. It's awesome. Those are two guys you're rooting for a hundred percent to go out and, and have incredible success in their, in their careers. And, you know, as we, we, we learn from, from many, coaches over the years just because you left once doesn't mean you're not uh don't have another stop we have a certain defensive line coach with a colorful uh vernacular who's uh uh mr bo davis who's back uh on the 40 it's it's uh you know we might see these guys again but best of luck to to both uh jake and sean and so that brings us to the part of the show where we honor one of the best traditions of all of college athletics big bertha and we bang the drum brought to you by joe ruiz so kyle what are you banging the drum on this week? I hope my listeners trust me enough after six uh, years of doing this podcast, however many hundreds of episodes that is, um, that you know I, I have best intentions always, right? And, and, and I like this banging the drum with some good stories, some good conversation came out here. I'm going to take just a moment to vent. 
that's what I'm going to use my bang the drum for. Nothing specifically <laughs> related to Texas, but more related to taxes. Gerald. Oh, my gosh. I bought my house last year in July. I got a good deal on it um, and in the middle of a crazy market. And then uh, I get my taxes for the first time on, on said house. And my homestead exemption doesn't apply yet because, you know, it will apply towards next year's taxes because it was being taxed before I owned it. So there is no 10% cap on how much they can increase. Um, and they just went ahead and found a, a much more than even one more zero, not a hundred percent increase, but a 263% increase on the valuation of my home. Um, uh, I guess one and a half times the value of my home price is what they're currently taxing. And, and the state of Texas, thankfully, has has mechanisms where you can you can argue this. And, and everyone says, oh, you bought your house. Just just show them your 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 closing and that that'll be what they'll tax you on. And that's all I'm asking here. We're recording this on Monday at 10.05. It's been more than 12 hours since I had my uh, appraisal review board meeting this morning. I'm still not fully over it. I had to take PTO today because I was so angry after this meeting with the ARB of being led astray, um, an assessor not uh, saying things that, that, that very much weren't making sense, a, a neutral third party cutting me off because technical difficulties ate half of our time and not allowing me to finish presenting my case, and then ultimately giving me less than 1% uh, reduction on, on what they'd uh, ultimately raised my, my taxes, right? I'm so expected to pay for a house and a half of what I bought. There are more legal uh, options. I can continue to fight this and, and probably will seek legal attorneys. Any of our legal friends who are listening, hit me up. Um, <laughs> I, I just like, I don't know, Gerald. I was so unbelievably angry. Like I shouted... I screamed like with a blood curdling scream that even Texas football can't pull out of me. Uh, my poor dog like was hiding for two hours in the house. Cause I was just pure rage spilling out of me. Um, so again, I usually reserve this spot for not this and something related, but if anyone has any recourse has, has had success this year in 2022, cause it seems they've changed a lot from in the past uh, with buying a new house and seeing it be ridiculously, Hit me up. Hit me on Twitter. You know where to find me. Slide in those DMs. Let me know. Uh, everything's bigger in Texas. But it doesn't have to be our property taxes. Like, please, please, for the love <laughs> of God, someone needs to see the sense that all I want to be taxed on is what I paid for my house. Kyle, I've got nothing, nothing to say. <laughs> I, I, you know, I pay state income tax here in the state of Oklahoma, which, again, I that's a whole other conversation for another day. Why am I paying state income tax to pay for teachers? Then I also have to go buy pizza twice a month to, as a fundraiser for my kid's school. Another conversation for another day. But uh, I'm banging the drum this week on um, NIL. And, you know, NIL has kind of become like a three-letter word, four-letter word in college football as of late, but you know, with all the pay for play stuff and all the collectives and, you know, you and I have talked about like, that's not what NIL was intended for. And it shouldn't be judged by that. Cause those are more edge cases than anything. But Monday, as we're recording this, two of the best pieces of NIL news that I've ever heard of dropped from, uh, the sky from ether, from the ether, like manna from heaven as the Israelites in the desert and the wilderness needed. Um, the first one, uh, it comes out of a sad thing. Miles Brennan quarterback at LSU, uh, 
who was in a quarterback competition, just found out that he's not going to be the starting quarterback. And so he decided to, you know, just retire from football. I got my degree. I'm done. Um, the downside or the, the, the upshot of that is that he had already signed previously a bunch of NIL sponsorships with places like Raisin Cane's, like major places, and had never played a, a significant down of football for LSU. But because your NIL deals cannot be performance-based per rule, he gets to keep all that money. And I'm going to be real honest with you, that is capitalism working as intended, my friends. You know, didn't have to do the work, got all the money for it. I love it. Like, work the system. That he, he is going to go down as the, like, the NFL's greatest backup. He's going to be the Jeff Sorgi of, of <laughs> college quarterbacks. Got paid, never had to do a whole lot for us. And then, a lot for it. And then, um, the guy who's going to win the all-name team for a long time... A, a wide receiver from Nebraska who unfortunately is, is down with an injury uh, currently, but DeColdis Crawford, if you have, if you follow college recruiting, you've heard this name before. And there was a lot of jokes about this, but uh, as again, Monday, this happened, it came out. Uh, DeColdis Crawford has recorded his first NIL commercial with SOS heating and cooling in Lincoln, Nebraska. It's an air conditioning company using a player whose name is DeColdis Crawford as their spokesperson. He hasn't played it down yet, and again, he's injured this year. But, like, this is what NIL was all about. It's like, well, you know, we've got Kansas this week, and, like, the the, the tight end fullback that caught the, you know, winning two-point conversion did a did a take-two or a two-for-one you know, two special at the local Applebee's. Like, this, like, NIL is so much fun when it's done right. And so I, I'm just banging the drum this week. I'm like, let's not judge NIL by, you know, what, whatever it is, Malachi Nelson getting the six figures or seven figures uh, to decommit from USC and go to A&M, as the latest message board rumor says. But let's judge it on an 18-year-old kid doing an air conditioning commercial and, and really going all for it uh, because his name is DeColdest, and it's the hottest summer that we've seen in <laughs> 20 years. Thanks for cheering me up, Joe. That's a, that's a good story. That's like I feel like the, the local news, you know... Uh, uh, local dog wins costume contest. Like that's just such a, a good story that no one doesn't want to hear. That's it. Basset Hound joins Marathon, gets third place. <laughs> yes, exactly. Like that's just good content that will never go out of fashion. Like I am happier having heard it, especially after I did an airing of grievances uh, a bit earlier. So thank you for for cheering me up uh, a smidge, and 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 congrats to to Mr. DeColdest, uh, and and congrats to to getting that bag. Miles Brennan, the the Chase Daniel of the collegiate ranks. That's all we've got for you this week. Kyle, where can the good folks find you on the internet? Oh, you can follow me on Twitter at Kyle Car- Carpenter. You can also follow the Texas Pregamer at Texas Pregamer. Follow me on Twitter. I am at GH Goodridge. Follow the show on Twitter at Longhorn Pod. Facebook and Instagram, the Longhorn Republic. Or shoot us an email, LonghornRepublicPod at gmail.com. Thank you so much for tuning in again this week. And until next time. Hook them. Hook them. You can all go to hell and you can take my taxes. Davy Crockett.